0: Welcome to the How to Code Well podcast, a show all about web development and programming. My name is Peter Fisher. I am a freelance web and mobile applications developer. Hello, coders. Today we're going to be talking about testing to break. I'm joined here by Rob Waller. Rob is a speaker, developer. He's also been on CNN. Rob, how are you doing? How've, how's your week been?
1: Um, I'm doing very well. Um, I've had a good week. Um, me and my partner are looking for a new house and uh, so there's been lots of rushing around looking at houses, pulling our hair out. Wow. It's been a good week.
0: No way. No way. Can I ask whereabouts you're, you're looking? Is it in the UK?
1: In, the UK, in but the UK, outside of London, we're making the move away from London. Are you, so, it's the countryside somewhere. Are
0: you nice? Nice. Are you based in London at the moment? Yeah, in Ealing. In Ealing, nice.
1: So West West London. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very nice.
0: Very very nice. Now, you've been on CNN. Can I ask you quickly before we get into the testing stuff about that? What What was that all about?
1: Um, Well, it had nothing to do with criminal activity or hacking, (laughs) which was uh, good. Um, But basically, I think it must have been, it's a long time ago now, and this is making me feel (laughs) old, about eight years ago, um, I was, I started, uh, I set up a a sort of startup in the sort of social media marketing space, Mm -hmm. um, doing sort of analytics work, and um, because there's a lot going on in that space at the time. And basically, one weekend, I I built this little um, Twitter um, app, I suppose you'd call it, It did Twitter analysis, and it told you how many um, fake followers you had. Oh, wow. So basically, like, it would assess your account and show that you've got, like, 30% of your followers are fake. or You've bought them, right? Right. And loads of sort of, you know, I don't know, B, C, D, E, F, List celebrities have been buying these followers to make themselves look more popular. Okay. And journalists had started looking into it, but it was like quite a manual process. Right. And I just thought my background, which had been in email marketing, I'd done a lot of list management work. I right. was just like, this is just list management work. So yeah. I wrote a quick algorithm and then put it online. Right. And basically not much happened. I shared it with a few journalists and they had a play with it and they were like, oh, this is nice. And then one, I don't know, one Tuesday or Wednesday or something, someone at Mashable picked it up. And this was just before the Obama-Romney election. Mm. And they ran Obama versus Romney through it (sighs) and then did an article on it. Oh, wow. And then it went completely bonkers. I learned DevOps in about a week after that because I had it on, like, a shared host. Oh, gosh. And um, I had to then build my own, like, VPS and all this stuff before AWS was really a big thing. Wow. And then, um, yeah, and then just got invited on CNN to talk about it. It was really weird.
0: That is um, so cool. (laughs) Yeah. just mad. Wow. Oh gosh. So you went viral. (laughs) I did. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was,
1: it was crazy. Yeah. I went from like a few, a few hits a day to like 30,000 an hour. Wow. It was, yeah, it was, I I learned a lot about coding in a very short period of time.
0: Yeah. I can imagine. Wow. I can imagine. Well, hats off to you. That's uh, that's quite a, quite a thing to your name. (laughs) Awesome. It was good fun. Yeah. Yeah. So you've done a, you've done a, 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 series of talks recently. Um, one in, uh, uh London, PHP UK on test to break. You've also done that at uh, PHP Southwest. Unfortunately I wasn't there. Um, I was, I was super busy doing other things. However, I have seen the talk at PHP uh, London. I saw that on, on the old YouTubes. I think you've heard of YouTube. Um, yep. yeah, I'll put a link to all, to the talk in the show notes as well. It's a fascinating topic testing to break can you can you talk about what testing to break actually means?
2: well
1: I mean test to break is kind of a sort of term I sort of came up with right because I quite like the term yeah Arthur um, testers might refer to it as sort of negative testing um, okay. where you're deliberately trying to write a test that, that sort of either your aim is to break your application mm. or it in an unusual circum uh, situation. Right. Um, the best way to look at this is to think of it, it's very similar to what um, an organization called NCAP do, which is the new car assessment program. Right. And basically, you know, you get those like four or five stars on your car when you buy it, mm-hmm. and it tells you how safe it is. Right. Well, NCAP are basically doing a form of test to brake, but with cars, like they drive them into walls at 30 miles an hour and see what happens like does right. everyone die basically
0: <laughs> quite an and, important test yeah
1: yeah so they're trying to like um put the car in an unusual situation and see if it basically like if you were to put it in like coding terms like fails gracefully right. like airbags deployed the seatbelt tightens and like even though this car's crashing like it's still sort of working and not like it doesn't burst into a pool of flames, and like that's what you want to have. Like if something goes wrong with you, you basically don't want your code to burst into a pool of flames either, do you? So I guess not. It's kind no, of trying to no. do that with code rather than a car. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it doesn't. It does in a way. You you you're trying to test for the unexpected, um, and I guess whenever we write code. We we are assuming, or at least I do anyway, I assume that users are going to use the code in the way that I wrote the code. So, you know, this is this is the feature and you're going to use that feature as the feature was intended. But a lot of the time users will use it in a very weird way. Yeah, <laughs> or, absolutely. Or they'll access your feature from a very different obscure path into the application. Um, and therefore, perhaps their account has had some uh, impact or influence upon a different feature or that feature has impacted that user account. And so when they get to your feature, it's in a completely different state to what you had originally intended. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, I dig that. I get that. Um, but from a, from, there's many different types of testing. Is this just for unit testing or is this for functional testing or, or is it for all types of testing?
1: I mean, I would I would say the the principle applies to any type of test. So, right. like you know, a QA QA's do this kind of quite a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, you get say, for instance, you've got form and you've got an integer field on it. Yeah. I don't know, like age in years or whatever. Uh-huh. And a good QA will come along and just type nine 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 in right and see what happens when you throw a big int in there or minus one or something like that. <laughs> Okay. So, like, QAs have probably been doing this sort of testing, like, for a lot longer than maybe developers have thought about it. Like, this idea of, like, writing specific, say, unit or integration tests that are like, mm. okay, so what happens if I ask this difficult question of my code? Right. Like, you know, throw a big internet or, or do something that doesn't seem logical, given the way I've written the code.
0: Okay. So... So in your 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 opinion what what would you define as a unit test compared to the other types of testing is there is do you have um uh some rules that you define as say a unit test can't i don't know work on a database a unit test must be small compared to the other types types of stuff functional testing perhaps um, is testing the business logic. Do you have any? Do you have any of those kind of things that you you work with on a day to day basis?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's just my opinion, yeah. and different developers will have will have their own opinions. Mine, like I like to keep unit tests focused on business logic, right? And what I try to avoid with unit tests, and you can't do this completely, mm. is you try and avoid um, input output stuff. So okay. maybe like okay. interacting with a file system or interacting with database and and things like that. Because when you get into that area, it becomes a bit messy with unit tests, and you end up having to do lots of mocks or stubs and things like that.
0: So you're not talking here about um, when you say input output. You're not talking about say making sure that a value is set after say uh, you've injected it. It's more to do with the input. Uh, it's more to do with perhaps the input of going into the file system, like you mentioned, or going into the database or using another uh, dependency. Um, yeah. 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 Okay. That makes sense. Yeah,
1: It's, it's exactly, it's, it's that sort of stuff. Mm. And because I would say once you start dealing with, because you should test that bit, the mm. input output, like handling a database mm. request or, or calling the file system. Mm. But I would, you've wandered into sort of what I call Integration tests and right. then functional tests are obviously looking at things like maybe an API endpoint. Yeah. that's exposed to a user um, Or a client or what have you? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, you know, I think If you focus your unit tests um, on business logic only they become much easier to write right and they mm. also It will also hopefully result in better code because ideally like your business logic mm. The stuff that is like processing data and making decisions about mm-hmm. in your application,
2: mm-hmm.
1: it, it should it shouldn't care where data came from or where it's going.
0: That's true. Yes. So that's like, true. if the data
1: came from the database and is going to the file system or vice versa, your business logic doesn't care. Yes. About that, yes. it just gets a collection of data. Does some processing on it and mm. then passes it on to whoever needs
0: it. I dig that. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I dig that. I, I I certainly get that. I guess I mean, from f- you, you could, for instance, decide one day to change your database um, or change the file the type of file system that you're using. Maybe it's S three one day. Wait, maybe it's something else, another. And and you removing that coupling from the unit test, um, so making the the test just test the 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 smallest thing and not worrying about where that thing actually lives means that that test in itself is quite reusable in other contexts. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. I, That's right. I, I, de- I definitely, I definitely dig that. Uh, I must say that when I started unit testing a long time ago, uh, and I'm, I'm certainly not, I don't test all the time, unfortunately. Um, but when I started, I I mixed and matched everything together, and it was like this one big mess of of uh, functional integration and unit tests all in one massive thing. And it got to say, um, 30, 40, 50 tests. And then suddenly the system would just lock down because it would be trying to, you know, run the browser and add and stuff to the database and remove things from the database to clean up the test and tear it all down. And I thought what I was doing was really, really awesome. And then it suddenly just locked up. Um, and then I discovered what, what perhaps these unit tests should actually be. And, and then i yeah, it's a, it's a very weird process of, of uh, breaking down an application into testing a singular thing, because it's quite difficult when you've got, when you've got a, a, a very complicated application, as most applications are complicated, breaking them down into small little modular components to the, to the nth degree to test that one thing can actually be quite difficult. And I found that testing often means that I have to restructure my application because my application isn't testable. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, going back to the test to break so this is negative testing. This is testing for things that uh, don't, sh- that these are unusual things. So when should one do this? Should they do this before the, you write, you develop the code as in a TDD approach or should you do this afterwards? Or does it really matter?
1: Um, I mean, theoretically you can do it before, but I think this sort of wanders into the topic of the difference between test to break and test to work. right. And, and that when you're doing following TDD and writing tests first, you tend to write tests that prove your logic works. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. And you might write, I tend to, with my approach to testing, I tend to do two sweeps of my code. Okay. So the first bit is the test to work bit where I write some tests to get the thing working. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And obviously, this goes with the sort of red-green refactor approach. Mm-hmm. But my second round of tests are the tests that try to break my logic. Right. And some some people use the term triangulation, I've heard. Like, okay. Um, I've but not, it's not I've, really triangulation.
0: I've not it's, heard it, that. I've not heard that.
1: it, it it's a, an approach where you're not quite sure what the answer should be. So you write a few tests to slowly work out what the answer should
0: be. Oh, I mean, that's, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I would see test
1: to break as slightly different. And I would see test to break as a sort of secondary process
0: right. that
1: you've got your code working and then you're going, okay, so I've got this code working and it's it looks quite nice and everything's good. Can I think of any scenarios or any tests I could write mm-hmm. that would go, okay, this might be some, you know, what some random user might input or like, could this approach end up in a result I don't want, if that makes sense.
0: I see. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the driving the car into a tree type scenario, isn't it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah, cars are meant to be on the road and driving forward and everything's great, but sometimes they'll hit an object. What happens when they hit the object?
0: Yeah, I guess I guess this is very important for um, anyone who's writing software for Tesla. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
2: Or,
1: and it's the same for anything, like, you know say a big bank, anything that's, mm. like, of importance. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of my career in sort of marketing space, I suppose, and, and ad agencies and what have you, digital agencies. And maybe the work there isn't so, you know, it's not fundamental to uh,
2: yeah.
1: the well-running of this country or have you. But some developers <laughs> are working on stuff that the banks or the government and various other things. Mm. And even like Google, you know, these, mm. these organizations – you know, are important, and we want their stuff to work. So, like, test to break is very becomes even more important in those areas. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I see. I see. Can Can you give me, apart from the uh, the car scenario and the, the bank, is there is there any other examples that you can give uh, where you're comparing a test to work versus a test to break?
1: I love the car scenario. The car. I mean, <laughs> it's just so easy. It's yeah. Just, yeah. Uh, I mean, I see it is because it, it's about. um, The thing about test to work is it's like with standard inputs. I like the term with standard inputs. Sure, sure. So I'm going to use a standard input with this system, what I'd expect, and then what I expect back. And you can see this as like with the car ignition. Mm -hmm. So like you will do some tests um, with a valid key. Mm -hmm. So you've got car key Mm -hmm. and you'll test the ignition and make sure the engine starts with a valid key. Right. And then you'll go, okay, I've got an invalid peak. I'll test that, make sure the engine doesn't start. Yeah. There's both, there's still valid standard inputs. Just one is not meant to, one is to work with this car and one is not to work with this car.
0: That is a very important test. <laughs> yes.
1: And that's test to work, right? So you're mm. going, okay, the next one would be like sticking some sort of foreign object into the ignition I, and seeing if it could work. I, right?
0: I guess like a screwdriver or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah like I a get, screwdriver. Yeah.
1: Or in a modern car with these sort of like, I don't know, these Riffid keys or whatever they are, <laughs> like you might just, someone, can someone start the car using their laptop or something or their phone, right? Sure. That's not meant to, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. can it be hacked? Cause, and the car industry had a problem with this because obviously lots of cars have been stolen recently because mm-hmm. of the dodgy keys,
2: mm-hmm. you know?
1: So they're not always doing tests to break in the car industry. There are things they're missing, but... Like I, I think that's a good explanation of it. Like yeah, it's yeah. the stand, it's with standard inputs.
2: Mm. So
1: you start writing your test with like your standard input that you expect to work, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then you might go, okay, I don't know. So say for instance you've got you're doing some sort of range number based range logic, yep. and your range is if I have ten to twenty, I expect standard functionality to occur mm-hmm. and then you might write a test okay going okay well what happens zero will be a valid integer so i'll pass zero in what happens mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: does the code just something weird happen or maybe like you know i'm passing 100 what happens with 100 you know does, is, is my code going to work in one way yeah. that makes sense yeah yeah
0: yeah I, I guess um yeah speaking from my experience it's it, I've, I've rarely done test to break. Uh, I've, I've rarely, I, I will write code, test the code or I'll test the code and write the code, then test the code. Um, and then when it, when it's acceptable, when I get the green thing, I move on. It's, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, that's, that's good. I'll, I'll move on. But yeah, I think test to break is actually, it's, um, it's an interesting, uh, and important. I, th- I feel, um, way of, of, of just double checking and making sure, um, we, when we're, well, for me, especially when I write code, I'm thinking about the logical flows of how things should be. And I'm writing them to those, those procedures and those functions and those routines and anything else that is outside of that. Um, I don't think about because it's, I don't need to think about it because I'm writing the code for it to work. So yeah, this is a bit of a mind shift to go, okay, so I've now got this code. How can it be used in a, in a, in a way that isn't intended and isn't expected and what will happen? Um, I love the examples that you had on your talk where you were doing testing against exceptions, um, that, and, and and checking for values and stuff, um, because that's, that's very, very important. Um, so how about legacy applications though? How would you, how would you approach this um, with a legacy application? If say, for example, you were given this monolithic app and you, you were asked to write a feature, how would you test to break against something that you haven't already written? Or you're adding a feature to something that you don't own. um, And you're trying to test to break not only your stuff, but maybe the other things underneath is there is there any tips that you've got for that i mean
1: that is that is difficult and i've worked on quite a few Mm. legacy applications and it can be difficult to know where to get started with testing because
0: yeah yeah
1: you often you have that problem a lot of the time of okay if i want to be able to test this yes um i'm going to have to rewrite some of the code and one of the obvious problems people tend to have is your long methods. So methods with like yeah. 20 plus, maybe 30, 40, 50 lines of code. And yeah. those methods will have lots of paths running through them. So like you obviously can't like write one or two tests and go, oh, well, this code is tested because like it might have, you know, 10 or 15 paths yes. you know, through yes. it. Yeah. Um, so my approach is often to, well, obviously you start breaking that code down, right? Mm, mm -hmm. And then people get worried about abstraction and like thinking, Is as I break this code down, are these things going to live in the right place? Can I develop the domain out of it and get the right classes in the right place? Sure, yeah. I I would say often, like, don't worry about that stuff too much. Mm -hmm. Like, don't get lost in the weeds of trying to, like, do that. Okay. Like one of the first steps is just to try and simplify the code and get some tests there. Mm. And I think often it's if you've got like an interface method with like loads of code in it,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: we've all seen these methods uh, mm-hmm. you know, that you just hold your head in your hand, at the time. <laughs> you sort of see them, but I think, like, just break the code down into some simpler private methods and Mm. call them from the main public interface. Okay. And you can write tests for private methods. There's no problem with that. Right. Just make sure that that those small pieces of logic work as expected. Right. And then hopefully you're just beginning to break it down. And, you know, obviously with the legacy application, I think – to move away from legacy, you have to probably do two or three rewrites anyway.
0: Agreed. Agreed.
1: Your first kind of rewrite is often like understanding the code mm-hmm. and just trying to break it down a bit. Mm-hmm. And then it started. Then you can start going, okay, so this code has got some tests now. Understand it a bit better. Now I'm going to think about the thorny topic of abstraction and good code design. That, <laughs> that's the difficult stuff. That's when you need to hire the really clever people people cleverer than me you know it's, <laughs> um but yeah so i'd say always is the first step keep it simple just try and break those sort of logic gates down into their own small little testable functions and, and then you can move forward
0: i see i see yeah yeah um legacy code is all around us and we can't we we, we can't seem to get away from it, or at least I can't. Um, and it is, it is, it is extremely challenging when you're testing, um, on, on a legacy app, uh, something that you haven't necessarily built or, 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 aware of, you assume that it works and, and, uh, half the time it doesn't. Um, and, um, there is perhaps no budget for improving uh, what already exists and is already quote unquote acceptable. Um, now you've got, and just touching upon that, you've got a, a, a management background, um, because you, you once managed a team of developers. Is, is that, is that right?
1: Yeah. So I did, um, up until midway last, through last year, I was uh, head of tech uh, agency in London and I was, I did that for about two and a half years.
0: Right. Right.
1: Um, yeah, there's a whole life story thing that I'm going through at the moment that sort of links to that, um, but I won't I won't bore you with that. But um, yeah, I did that for two and a half years, and obviously before that, you know, as I touched on with the sort of CNN story, I was I had run my own business for a couple of years as well, a sort of startup. So okay, I I, I do seem to have a, a sort of understanding of sort of like the wider financial businessy side okay. of stuff. What well, a lot of developers might see is the sort of airy fairy stuff of software development. Well, that's
0: a very important thing to be aware of. Um, it's you know to understand the business needs from from that standpoint. Um, I just wonder if you've got any advice on on approaching a a a, a, a manager, a, a team stakeholder, someone who owns the product, um, who is non technical to get them on board with testing because testing is something that does take a lot of time. It takes even more time. If you're working on a legacy application, a legacy application that is perhaps kind of already working in the sense that, you know, the, the boss can refresh the page and the page is there. Um, he's obviously, or she's obviously not going to see the code. Um, so from someone who's just coming on, to, uh, to take on this, this legacy thing. Have you got any advice on what that developer could suggest or talk about to the manager who's perhaps a little less, um, uh, comfortable with, with adding more development mandates to test code?
1: So I think it's a, in general terms, mm. like when you're discussing these things with non-technical managers, um, keep away from talking about code too much. Don't talk about code. Right. Because that's not what they want to talk about. No. Often what it is, is, is taking your understanding of the problem in a code sense and turning it into a language that they understand.
0: Right, okay? right.
1: And two of the topics are often good if you want to get a good reaction, is obviously talk about money and finance mm-hmm. and talk about reputation, okay? And in terms of- Very good. like. Right code quality and testing obviously poor code there is uh, it has financial costs and obviously it can have reputational costs if it's not secure mm. or some major bug causes a major hiccup and takes it offline for a day or so mm-hmm. you know so it's it's often if you talk about things like that the, the, the topics of finance the money and reputation and things like that mm. that, that will get more attention than rather going into the nuances of code design and and things and you know encapsulation or anything else like that That, that's not gonna um grab them i I think yeah so because the the key back to your core question is sort of like what is the financial justification for doing yes um, more work up front than you know just trying to release it as soon as possible Mm. and i i have this sort of concept in my head that I've been playing with for a while, which is this sort of law of minimum cost, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That basically every software development task has a minimum cost associated with it. And you can't get below that minimum cost. The only, the only thing you can decide on is Mm. when you're going to pay for it. So (laughs) are you going to pay for it now or are you going to pay for it later? So the justification for, um, testing financially mm-hmm. is that you get as much of the cost prior to production release as possible right
0: okay yeah yeah
1: if if you if you don't do testing or you don't do testing well mm-hmm. and then you release code you're going to have a whole bunch of issues to fix later and they usually that's where your costs will begin to spiral and they spiral in a couple of ways one is that um, you have to obviously start fixing bugs. Right. So your developers lose focus maybe on releasing the next big feature. They're, yeah. they're focused on, like, fixing bugs now. So their efficiency goes down. Right. They're most likely dealing with um, a lower code quality. Yeah. So, again, it takes them longer to do things. And there's that cost. And then you get all these side effect costs, right? So all these side effect costs are like when you start putting bad code into production. Um, say for instance, your tool is for an internal, um, an internal part of your company. So other people within your company need this software Mm. to produce something that goes online and yada yada. Now, if, if that is, um, of a, poor quality and has been poorly designed and is inefficient Mm. that's going to cost cause costs to rise in 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 their team yeah
2: yeah yeah
1: problem often is those costs are untracked because people businesses aren't making the financial connection between this inefficient team over here
0: that is so true yeah
1: you know, yeah, and yeah. and then you've got the user issue. So if your yeah. if your site is very focused or application is very user centric, like as and has lots of users using it, like and Google have done loads of research on this to prove this is the case in terms of like site performance and speed. Yeah, like if you've got a buggy system uh-huh. and like there are bugs in there, guaranteed if you've got enough users they will start finding those bugs Mm -hmm. and and that could you could be losing 10 or 5 percent of revenue because users just find have this buggy experience and drop out before conversion before they hand some money over yeah or they spend less time on your site because it's all those things and i think when you have that sort of conversation with someone who's non-technical like a product owner maybe or Um, someone in the finance department or various other places they get that they start to understand what you're saying to them they they go okay so what you're saying to me is if if we do testing it might cost us a bit more up front but it will keep our long-term costs down Mm. and that's that's the financial argument there there's also the reputational thing that you know bugs can be very damaging to your reputation You, you know we've all seen things with apple and Facebook and various other companies that are sort of bug related.
0: Yeah, um, and also, I guess it. it, it yeah, it, yeah, I, t- I totally agree. I, that that was such a nice way of 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 describing that to to a non technical uh, person. In the past, I have because s- some. Some of these stakeholders like graphs and charts and and numbers, you know, one number is bigger than another number. So that must mean something, right? So in the past, what I've done is analysed legacy code. um, And I haven't gone in with the intention of scaring them, but I've gone in and just said, look, these, this is the number of lines of code. This is the longest um, uh, function signature and um, that isn't tested. As in, I don't know what happens with that and you, and I need to write code onto that. Um, and that is uh, a pain point for me. So it's difficult because I don't necessarily want to put my name to code that other people have written that aren't in the, in the, in the company anymore. Um, because as soon as you write code and you commit the code to someone else's code on top of someone else's code, that becomes your code. So you, you are essentially taking ownership of that. Um, and I, I like to, if I've got t- a chance to, to just see where the pain points might be. Um, and I think sometimes it's always handy in the back pocket to pull out some, some, some numbers and just say, yeah, this is what I got to work with. Um, I did a project recently where, um, it was a horrendous legacy system. <laughs> <laughs> it was nuts. And, um, we had like, uh, methods that were, 15, 20 parameters in terms of, uh, the signature, it was crazy. Um, and sort of refactoring that was, was so painful. Um, but the thing is that the, the owner is not aware of this. The person who, who just refreshes the page and goes, yes, it's up, isn't aware of this. And so they'll just keep pl- pl- piling on features and features and features. And, and, um, if the foundations are shaky, Um, like for example, we had this, this thing where we had to, uh, upgrade, uh, PHP because the server was no longer supporting the old PHP version. And that just blew up with the, the, a lot of the deprecated stuff and the, the, the stuff that just was no longer working and stuff. Um, and of course the, the owners were like, well, shouldn't this work? (laughs) This is, this is, this is a cost that we never expected. Um, So again, that's what you were talking about with the, the pain later on than the pain, than the pain right now. Um, It's because the the developers at the time didn't have any unit tests to test that out. So there wasn't anything that I could run to reassure me. And I guess that's, that's, um, that's another point. It's sort of making it acceptable for the developer It's sort of trying to get the developer happy with the code that they're writing upon. It's such a, this is such a, a, a an interesting topic, um, because nobody likes to do more work, but we all like to work on clean code and we all like to write clean code. Um, and when you get given messy code, then that is, that can be quite, quite frustrating. Um, do you have any, do you have any tips on just TDD in general? in terms of like, how do you go about writing tests before you, you actually delve into writing the code? Is there any sort of things that you do first of all, in terms of checking for, I don't know, maybe it's different, uh, types, data types or, or, um, checking that, um, you, the getters and setters are are work. Do you test getters and setters? Is that, is that something that you do?
1: Um, well, I do. I do test getters. I I try to avoid writing setters. Right. Um okay. I know there are some some PHP developers out there on Twitter who have very strong opinions <laughs> on setters. Um, so I don't want to upset anyone. Any of them off off the back of this podcast. Right. Um, but the uh, I, I think yeah, definitely I, I will test the getter. Like you know, because um, the thing is like. Once you've got enough experience doing development, you know that there are loads of tiny little bugs that can creep in, like a spelling mistake yeah, yeah, here, definitely, definitely. or you you haven't properly set a property and, and things like that. So, like, yeah, I, I I don't. Some developers, you know, there are certain testers and, and developers who think you should only test like sort of interfaces really and like mm-hmm. the chunky stuff, mm-hmm. but. I don't have a problem with testing a getter. I think, why not? You don't necessarily know where you're going to go with the class when you start writing it. That's true. So, you know, if you start writing a test and go, okay, I probably need a getter. I'll just write a quick test just to make sure that that functions and Mm -hmm. then move on. And, you know, one of the whole points of TDD is is the refactor bit, right? Mm -hmm. And, like, the uh, removal of duplication and things like that. Like, I'm working on a little open source library at the moment, Mm -hmm. and I've just had a a sort of realization point I hit where I've written a load of tests and I've written a few classes and I'm like, actually, these three classes can be one class,
2: you know? Yeah.
1: And I will end up probably rewriting some of the tests to make that happen and get that functioning. But I'm not sure I'd have come to that conclusion if I hadn't been just writing some tests and sort of slowly working my way through the code. Yeah. I think it's pacing, right? Yeah, I sure. Think pacing sure. is important. I think testing helps slow down your thinking and makes you think a bit more carefully about what you're doing. Yes, and like you might start pursuing an avenue and go, "Oh, that's not quite working. These tests don't really make sense, and this code doesn't make sense. I'm going to try something else."
2: You know, mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. I guess also, um, like you said, it, it slows down your thinking. The, the tasks that seem really, really simple, if you do it in a TDD kind of manner. Um, they, 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 it becomes apparent that the task is actually quite difficult. It's going to be difficult regardless of whether you do TDD or not. Say, for example, just coming off the top of my head, um, find all users that have a certain status and send an email, that kind of thing. That task doesn't sound, sound that difficult. Uh, but, but you're, you're working with all sorts of different cogs in the wheel there. You know, there's, there's all sorts of things that you have to do and check to make sure that you're not sending users with the wrong status, the wrong email, you know. It, Email's
1: one of the most dangerous parts of coding. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I once screwed up email on a monumental scale. <laughs> so, um, I, I know full well, if it's got email in it, it's like, take your time with that. What Be did you, really what, careful.
0: Can I ask what you did wrong?
1: Um I I once basically I needed to send out an email to the user base I yeah. think it was about maybe 100,000 people or something Yeah and what I did was I miswrote a for each loop ah. And what happened was the first person got one email <laughs> the second person got I know two where
0: this emails, is going <laughs> yeah.
1: the third person got three emails and basically luckily my um mta my uh, mail transfer agent on my server basically crashed <laughs> before we got beyond a thousand so <laughs> i'm pretty sure a few people probably got like 100 or 200 emails from this and oh. i was just like oh my god what an idiot but like it, it, i mean it happens you know yeah definitely but It was yeah. definitely a lesson yeah and um yeah, even something as simple as going send some u- users some emails. Yes, like it's it, it's not simple. No. It's not the thing where developers go, "Oh, that was five minutes. I'll have that done by lunch." It's
0: you know. Yeah, and this sort of this goes into another topic that um, uh, that I, I would love to talk about in more detail at some point, and that is um, estimating because when you're estimating tasks, you you really should. Taking into account the time it takes you to test. And there's so many unknowns there, especially if you're dealing with legacy code. (laughs) If you get, if you get asked, how long is it going to take you to write this functionality? Um, and you also throw in the time to test it, then yeah, it's like, how long is a piece of string? So I
1: used to, when I was a manager, I used to have a process whereby my team would um, like do their quotes themselves with their project manager mm-hmm. and they would come up with the timelines and then those timelines would go through me before they went to generally as a rule. But the team actually got quite good at this in the end. they kind of predicted my my responses to things. Okay. But initially I would often just add 30 or 50 percent to whatever they said it would take. So if they said this thing's going to be done in like a week, I'd be like, okay, probably not five days, we'll say seven, you know, yeah, just to have that contingency. And like, that was something I tried to drill into, um, my team a lot was like, think about contingency, think about like, Mm. okay, Mm. this doesn't quite work out because basically it's like a sort of a client, any form of client, whether it's internal or external, Mm. If you tell them something's going to take two weeks and it takes three weeks, they're going to be really unhappy with you. Mm-hmm. But if you tell them it's going to take four weeks and it only takes three weeks, they'll be like, great. What yeah. a good job you guys have done. And it's, it's like this sort of yeah. it, it's better to sort of try and put the bad news up front yeah. than, than wait until D Day when you're like, <laughs> a week that makes sense.
0: That yeah, that certainly does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very interesting stuff. Very, very interesting stuff. Um, before we before we shoot off, because I know that you're super busy, is there is there anything you want to discuss? Any anything further? Any social media links that you want to shout out to?
1: Um, you know, I think um, obviously the only final thing we sort of touched on it was like, you know, I think sometimes the Problem, I think there's a big issue sometimes with how junior developers are introduced to testing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And I I just wanted to make the point earlier about how, like, why I focus unit tests on really simple business logic and stuff and try to avoid things like databases and file systems. Yeah. I, I take that approach and I encourage junior developers to take that approach because it makes testing so much easier. And often I've seen in the industry that a junior developer gets exposed to testing on some sort of massive legacy thing that's calling the database three times and then (laughs) doing all this other stuff. And they're like, oh, testing's really hard. Like, oh, I don't like testing. Testing's hard. I don't want to do it. And in in many respects, like if you get, you know, you start with testing and you do it in the right way, it's um, really easy and it brings so much benefit to your code and your work and everything you do that, like, yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really important to introduce juniors to testing in the right way, and yeah, I definitely, agree. It simple for them is, is the best way to do that.
0: I definitely, I definitely agree. There is so much of this this thinking that testing should be done after the code is written, um, and and or, or or testing is 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 what only pros do, you know, or or people who have lots of time on their hands. Um, But uh, it it should be baked in at a very junior level, like you say, that testing is, is required. If, if someone was to quote some work, that work needs to come with testing inbuilt with it. You know, you don't, I I had a conversation with someone um, I'm definitely not going to name names, but I asked for a quote on something, um, from, from myself. And, uh, and then I, I said, well, does, you know, I double check, does this, does this come with testing? And, um, and they said, oh, well, if you want the code tested, then you're going to have to, I'll charge you more. And it's like, well, what, so what, you're going to give me code that you've written that you haven't tested. And I'm just going to assume it works. Like where, where does that, because what happened was he wrote the quote, And he didn't think about testing. That wasn't his, where he, he, where he started from. He just wrote the quote. And then I said, well, I guess that's going to come with unit tests and everything. And he was like, no. (laughs) No, yeah, yeah.
1: But like, imagine doing that with a car. I know, right? Find your Ford and Ford going, you have two options. You have the car that works and is tested and the car with like, well, you know, it's five grand cheaper, but.
0: Yeah. (laughs) who knows if it works who knows if it might (laughs) self-combust
1: yes no one's going to buy that car but in software development we see that this thing where it's okay to buy the untested car yeah
0: yeah right right uh well it was a pleasure speaking to you rob it was really really good um really interesting topic about testing um do you have a do you have a, a twitter handle that you want to mention or anything that you want to shout out to yeah. I mean, if anyone
1: um, watching this or listening to this uh, strongly disagrees with me, they can obviously drop me a message at um, Rob V. Waller on uh, Twitter. i um, quite happy to discuss it further. Um, and yeah, that would be it.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'll, I'll leave those links in the show notes and I'll put them on the screen here as well. But thanks ever so much for everyone who's listening on the podcasts, watching on the YouTubes. Happy coding, everyone. I'll see you again soon. Cheers. Bye.